Today's topic is God's presence is all you need as you go into a new year. When I was studying at Avondale College, times were a little hard. There were no scholarships. <laughs> there were no handouts. It was not a welfare system. You just had to work. <laughs> and I was there for six years. Uh, there was no financial aid and towards the end of my time there, I was just about out of everything including toothpaste and my mother sent me toothpaste but this is not the point of the story. <laughs> my mother sent me an article and I read it through. She said, John, times will be hard but read this through. Life wasn't always meant to be easy but she said, I'm sending you this article, read it through. I called my mother last night and talked to her about this and told her that last week in church we had a tiger. She said, I would even go to church to see a tiger. But the words of this article burned into my mind. The article came with a little explanatory note. Back in the days of the Second World War, when the Nazis were trying to break the spirit of the British and drive them into the ground, the Germans, as you know, had decided to take over the world and their first major step was to destroy Great Britain. So they sent their planes across. And night after night, London reeled under the attacks of the bombers. And London was burning and tens of thousands were dying. It was Christmas time and the King of England, King George, went on the radio. Now that King George is the father of the present Queen, Queen Elizabeth. And he spoke to his people about the perils that they were facing at the hands at the onslaughts of the Nazis. And then because it was approaching the new year, as it is now, he said these words. He quoted somebody in Somebody watching across North America knows who wrote these words. Let me know because I've forgotten, but I know the words. The king quoted the words to the British people. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he said to me, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. I want to say to you as you go out into a new year, put your hand into the hand of God, my friend, because that shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. My topic today is God's presence is all you need. God's presence, my friend, I have discovered is better than light. It is safer than a known way. God's presence is all you need today and tomorrow. As I read my Bible, and I love to read my Bible, I could not live without my Bible. I need to read it every day. 
I do not have the spiritual fortitude to go through a day without reading my Bible. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that is why in the community Adventist Fellowship, we have people of one book, the Bible, the Word of God. And as I read my Bible, and as, as I read the stories of some of the great heroes of faith, I discover that God's presence was all they needed. God's presence, you see, was all Abraham needed. Would you take your Bible and turn to the book of Genesis, please, chapter 17, and verse 1 and onwards, where God establishes a covenant with Father Abraham. Genesis 17, and would you please notice these verses, verses 1 to 7. And those watching on the networks across North America, I invite you to follow me in your Bible. The Bible says when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I've made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Here God is establishing his covenant the theologians call the Abrahamic covenant, which is a part of the everlasting covenant of grace. And God uses an expression that is unique to the covenant. He says, I will be your God. And this is tantamount to God saying, I will be with you. Who is this God who speaks to Abraham on this occasion? My friend, he is the creator God. He is called in scripture by many names. One of those names is El Shaddai. He is the almighty God. He is also called in scripture the God of redemption. He is also called in holy scripture, I am that I am. He is called Yahweh Elohim. And Yahweh Elohim says to Abraham, I will be your God. I will be with you. And Abraham discovered that the presence of God was all he needed. What were the circumstances of this covenant? Abraham was a stranger in a strange land. He was surrounded by pagan and heathen races. Humanly speaking, he was in a precarious position. But listen, my friend, with God's presence, we need never be afraid because God's presence is all we need. I read some time ago about something that happened down in Africa in the last century. 
there was a man who went there and he was traveling through a very ferocious part of that country where the people did not know much about God or grace. They were a heathen, savage, treacherous people. And this missionary came, he was weary, and he spoke to the chief, and the chief looked at him and said, how easy to take off his head. He has nobody to protect him. But the chief told the story how this man lay down on the ground and went to sleep like a baby. And the chief said he must have somebody watching over him and never touched him. I tell you, my friend, whether you live in Los Angeles or New Orleans or on the streets of New York City, you need not be afraid if you have the presence of God. God's presence is all you need, my friend. In 1988, it is my privilege to take a team to Africa and to go to Zimbabwe, where we ran a large evangelistic campaign. Hundreds of thousands of people came to those meetings. As you know, about 10 years back, before 1988, Zimbabwe had had a civil war and many people had died. I was asked to go to the radio station and the television station and engage in a debate over religion. And I had said to the government, I have not come to this country to debate with people. We've come here to preach Christ. And therefore, there will be no debates. But when I came out to the station and I said there'll be no debates, the director of the television station who had been a terrorist said, unless you debate, your life will be in peril. I said, I have given the government my assurance. I have not come to this country to engage in debating. I will be no part of your troublemaking. I will never forget it. It was late in the day and he called his guards his armed soldiers, and they marched me down a deserted road. I was marched down the road with guns in my back. The sun went down, and this man, this ex-terrorist, followed in his car and cursed and cursed and cursed at me and said, this will be the last of you. I can testify today I had the perfect peace of God in my heart because the presence of God is all you need, friend. And then he turned around and turned his Peugeot around and drove back to the, the station. And the soldiers marched me down the road, but they gathered around me and they put down their guns and they said, Pastor Carter, you need not be afraid because we come to your meetings. <laughs> And they took me down to an army post and they got on the phone and they sent me a limousine. I could have been put to death, my friend. I would have been just one other case of murder in that land where there seems to be a multitude of murders. But I learned that God's presence was all I needed. That's what Abraham learned. God's presence was all Jacob needed. When I read the story of the patriarchs, I read of the presence of God. Would you please come with me to Genesis 28? Notice the story of Jacob. Genesis 28, dear friends. And those watching on 3ABN, please turn to the passage. We are a Bible reading church here. 
Genesis 28 and verses 10 to 16. Genesis 28 verses 10 to 16. Here is Jacob. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with his top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. You know the story, don't you? He'd made a mess of things. Have you made a mess of things? Most of us on occasions make a mess of things. As a young man, he had alienated his brother, he had deceived his father, and he'd lost his mother. He'd made a mess of things. He was a foolish young man. And now he was a fugitive. He was running away from home. But my friend, God was running with him. And when we make a mess of things, God does not forsake us because God is a God of grace. And God said to him, I will be with you. And now Jacob went on his way standing tall because he had hope in his heart. You see, the presence of God was all he needed. And as you read through the story of Jacob, you read the story of his traumas and the story of his battles, and then he becomes an old man. I want you to read Genesis 46, verses 2 to 4 that describes him now as an old man. Genesis chapter 46. Would you please notice this? Verses 2 to 4. God spoke to Israel or Jacob in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am the God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I'll make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you and I will surely bring you back again and Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. He said, you can go down to Egypt. You don't want to go to Egypt, I know, but you can go down to Egypt because I'm going to go with you. Listen, my friend, you can go anywhere in this world. You can go to any part of Los Angeles and you need not be afraid if you have the presence of God. Because the presence of God is all you need. Just recently, 
we heard on television about in Russia how six Red Cross workers have been brutally murdered. And people have even called me and they've said to me, should you go there next month on the Trans-Siberian Hope Express? Isn't it time to run back home? My friend, you can go to Russia, you can go to Los Angeles, you can go to the Bronx, you can go anywhere God calls you to go when you have the presence of God. You need not be afraid. God's presence is all you need. And then when I read on in my Bible, I discover that God's presence was all Moses needed. Would you please now come to the book of Exodus. We've looked at Abraham and Israel, Jacob. Now read about Moses, would you please? I love the story of Moses. This man who was brought up in the courts of the pharaohs. What a man he was. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 10 and onwards. Exodus 3, God says, So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. I believe that God gave to Moses the greatest task ever given to a human being. The children of Israel had been slaved there, slaves there for hundreds of years. The power of Pharaoh was enormous, even colossal. God said to this man, without an army, with no tanks, no F-111s, no machine guns, he said, go to Pharaoh and bring my people out of bondage. And Moses said, I can't go, but God said you can go because I will be with you. Nothing is impossible if you have the presence of God. Not even the might of armies or a Red Sea can hurt you if you have the presence of God. As you go into the new year, you may say, you do not understand my circumstances. I don't, but I understand the presence of God. You may say, I live in a dangerous area. You don't understand how dangerous it is. I may not understand how dangerous it is, but I understand that the presence of God is all you need. Amen. It's all I need. God's presence, you see, my friend, was all that Joshua needed. Would you please now come to Joshua? And I want you to turn to the text. Don't just sit there and look at me like owls. Please come to the book of Joshua. Come to the book of Joshua with me. It's a great custom to bring your Bible to church. It's a bad custom not to. We guarantee the salvation of only those folks who bring their Bibles to church. Joshua chapter 1 and verses 1 to 5. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. 
Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do these promises touch you today? They touch me. Joshua, just a young man, ahead was Jericho, crossing the Jordan, battle after bloody battle. But he was called to lead them into the promised land, and he did so because of the presence of God. I say to you today, and I say to the viewers on 3ABN, I say to our friends right across North America, as you go into a new year, the presence of God is all you need, my friend. And what more could I say today? For time would not allow me to tell of Daniel, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, John the Baptist, Peter, James, and John. Paul the Apostle to the Gentiles, Martin Luther, John Wesley, who through their faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, turned weakness into strength, became powerful in battle, and routed foreign armies. God's presence was all they needed. It is all you need to. God's presence is all you need for a number of reasons. Firstly, His presence is all we need because His presence is peace. When you have the presence of God in your life, you have rest and peace. God said to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you Sabbath, I will give you rest. Would you please turn to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6? You say to me, why do you turn to so many passages? Because this is our authority, and this is where the power is. And I encourage you to read your Bibles every day. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, a text we talk about at Christmas time particularly. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. The presence of God is all we need because His presence is peace. Verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on His shoulders, and He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, we don't know the date when Jesus was born. We do know that he wasn't born December 25. Nobody who knows anything about history believes that December 25 is the birthday of the Lord. It was the birthday of the sun god, Tammuz. We do not know the day when he was born, the month when he was born, or even the very year when he was born. He could not have been born before 4 BC because Herod the Great died in March 4 BC and most likely he was born 7, 6, 5 BC. But it doesn't matter 
when he was born. What matters, my friend, is that God became flesh and dwelt among us. And around 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born into this world. And the Bible tells me when he came to live among us, he came to save us from our sins. And his death on the cross was God's way of bringing back the human race into fellowship with God. And the Bible says somewhere else, it says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Amen. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Leslie Weatherhead was a Methodist preacher and a very talented one. He wrote a little book that is called The Transforming Friendship. And in this little book, he gives some dreams. And one dream that he pictures is a run-down tenement. The building is almost cockroach, rat-infested. A girl had come from the country to a city like Los Angeles to go to Hollywood to become an actress, like so many do, and end up on the streets. This girl was not on the streets, but almost so. And she missed home, but she was too proud to go home. And she was so utterly lonely. And on Saturday nights, she would put on her prettiest clothing and go out hoping that she would sign, find some friends on the streets of Los Angeles. And she was so desperately hungry for friendship that she even thought that she would abandon her morals and live the life of a street woman in the hope that she could have some friendship and some companionship. And Dr. Weatherhead in his dream saw this girl on a Saturday night with her head buried in her hands, her soul filled with darkness. And then in his dream, he heard a knock on the door and the girl got up and went to the door and it was Jesus. And Jesus said, can I come in? And she said, come in, Lord. And he said to her, why don't you tell me all about it? And she opened up her heart because she could talk to Jesus because Jesus was not the figure that we, many, many of us think he was. Jesus was warm and kind and loving. Jesus was anything but a Pharisee. And people who are prostitutes and sinners loved his companionship that says something about Christianity today, doesn't it? And churches today that drive sinners out. But Jesus attracted sinners and they felt comfortable in his presence because he said, I haven't come to condemn you, I've come to save you. 
and he sat down with this woman and she opened up her heart and she told him all of, all of the fears and all of the sins. And then he said, you will never be lonely again, my dear, because I will always be with you. You will never feel like walking the streets because I will be with you every moment of every day. And then he woke up and that dream finished. When Jesus comes to a human heart, he brings with himself a little taste of heaven, rest, and peace. And that is why I say to you, His presence is all we need because He's the Prince of Peace. His presence is all you need because His presence in your life is victory over whatever is pulling you down. I want you to take your Bible, dear hearts and gentle people, and turn with me to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, and for a person today who is struggling in sin, struggling in discouragement, feeling like it's all over, I want to tell you, my friend, it's not all over because His presence is all you need. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, over towards the book of Revelation. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible says, You dear children are from God, and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You think of it? People say, I'm afraid. I don't know if I can go into the new year with certainty. I tell you, my friend, if God goes with you, you need not be afraid because his presence in your heart is the greatest force in the universe, in the world. His presence is greater than the power of the United States government. It is greater than the Russian mafia. It is greater than foes within the church and foes without. It is greater than the, the demons of hell. His power is greater than principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. His presence is all you need. His presence is all you need because His presence is hope. Did you hear this? His presence is hope. When Christ comes into our lives and we are walking with the living God, we are not hopeless creatures. We are not blind victims of some unknown fate. We are not the product of time plus matter plus chance. It has been said that the greatness, sickness of our age is meaninglessness. I don't know where I came from. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know where I'm going. I tell you, my friend, with Christ, we have a blessed hope. Would you please, would you please turn to Hebrews chapter 6, which is a book on hope, dear hearts. Hebrews chapter 6. Oh, I love the Bible, and I love a congregation that will turn to the text. Hebrews 6, 18 to 20. Hebrews chapter 6, 
and verse 18 to 20. Now here Paul is writing to some discouraged Christians because their world had fallen apart. They were Jewish Christians. And they'd come into the church and the church apparently had nothing to offer them. They didn't even have a temple, you see. And they were discouraged Christians. But he says, verse 18, Hebrews 6, verse 18, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus who went before us has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Please listen to me, would you? The Bible says we're not orphans. Hear this? We're not orphans. The Bible says that we can go into the very presence of Almighty God. We can go where the Shekinah glory, my friend, is shining in undim luster and overwhelming splendor. The Bible says you can go within the veil, and within the veil is the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is our hope. The Bible says, I do not need an earthly priest. I do not need an earthly intercessor. The Bible says, I have unlimited access with the Father through Jesus Christ. And that is an anchor for the soul that gives me hope. Today, I go into the new year and I say to our viewers on 3ABN, and I say to Danny and Linda Shelton, we do not go skulking into the new year, but we go into the new year as children of God, going within the veil into the very presence of Almighty God, where the Shekinah glory is, and we go with this hope. So we have this hope. I say, God's presence is all you need, my friend. It was good enough for Abraham. It was good enough for Jacob. It was good enough for Moses. It was good enough for Joshua. It was good enough for the saints of God of all ages. It's good enough for me. On one occasion, when England was fighting one of its many wars, Queen Victoria was meeting with some of her lords and her generals and they were talking about all of the problems that Great Britain was facing and Queen Victoria who was a stalwart strong woman said let it be known there is no discouragement in this house and no talk of defeat did you get this I want to tell you something when you've got Jesus Christ in your heart there is no discouragement in this house. There is no discouragement in this body. There is no discouragement in this church. There's no discouragement in this ministry. And there's no talk of defeat because we have this hope. Christ is our hope. Now, very soon, 
January 23. I'm not going to say that's when the Lord's coming. <laughs> you thought I was going to move up to the second coming. Well, we don't know the day of the hour. January 23 in Moscow, in the midst of winter, when the snow is thick and the air is crisp, the great Trans-Siberian Hope Express pulls out. On that mighty Russian train that is going to travel 6,000 miles and cross 10 time zones, going through the very heart of Mother Russia, going into the very depths of Siberia. It almost makes you excited just to think about it. On that train, there are going to be thousands of Bibles. Tons and tons of medicines and vitamins and 110,000 audio tapes of my sermons. <laughs> Translated into Russian on the grace of God. And thousands and thousands of that wonderful book, Desire of Ages. And people say, why is this Trans-Siberian Hope Express going with your team? Because it's going to bring people hope. That's the reason why. People say, why winter? Well, because I want to go to Siberian winter. That's the real reason. <laughs> but there's another reason. This is the time of their greatest need. It's dark. Our believers are cold. Our believers are sick. Our believers are hungry. And we have been told by our Russian brothers and sisters that every church in Siberia is going to come to meet the train. We are going to stop at the principal cities, 14 or 15 of them. We're going to be stopping at every little siding and at those little sightings, the people who survived the communist holocaust are going to be standing there. Two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, and we're going to get off that train and we're going to hug them and we're going to give them Bibles and we're going to give them hope. Christ is our hope. Christ is our hope. What the world needs, my friend, is hope. I'll never forget the Russian doctor who said to Beverly and me and my team and B.J. Christensen when we went to the cancer ward in Disney Novgorod, he said, I can only work on their bodies. I can only perform surgery. But he said, they won't get better unless they have hope. And today you brought them hope. Christ is our hope. Have you got hope today? I've got hope today. I have hope because Christ died for me. I have hope because he's going to come again in power and glory. The presence of God is all you need because Christ is our hope. He's our peace. He's our victory. God's presence is all you need because his presence is satisfaction. Satisfaction. 
Would you please come to Psalm 36 and verse 8 and 9. Psalm 36 and verse 8 and 9, dear hearts and gentle people, and those wonderful friends of ours watching right across North America, whom we love so much. I've called so many of you on the telephone. I know so many of you. Gowan and Merrily and Ellsworth and I could just go on and on. The Jacobsons, I better not start. Psalm 36, verse 8 and 9. Look at this. Oh, what a text. It's almost too big to read. It says, They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Just look at it again. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. Whoever invented the idea that being a Christian is an awful sort of thing. And that going to church is like going and having your tonsils or your something else taken out. Got to be careful. I was going to say going to a dentist, but we've got lots of dentists who support us in this program. And I want to tell the dentists who are watching, I just love going to the dentist. <laughs> now, the text says here that God feeds his people from a table and is full of delight. Now, at this time of the year, some of you folks, I imagine, have been feasting on delights. At this time of the year, people have what the English used to call the groaning board. The groaning board. Don't look at me like that. The groaning board. The tables were so heavy with so many goodies that the table itself was groaning. To say nothing of the people after they'd eaten too much. The groaning board. A board which cannot uphold the abundance of the delicacies. Listen, that is what God is like. Paul said to me, to live is Christ. When you come to Christ, when you have the presence of God in your life, God gives you a feast of marvelous things every day, my friend. Is it not strange? It is to some people that Jesus went to parties? Jesus went to parties? You read that in the Bible? Yes, you do. That Jesus was a person that people loved to be with and children loved him because he was not cold, stiff, starchy. He was warm. And Jesus spoke about the new wine. Don't put it in the old bottles, he says. Waste of time. They'll just burst. Put it into the new bottles. Jesus likened his gospel to the delicacies. Because the delicacies of God bring complete satisfaction. And after you have eaten of God's delicacies, 
Everything else is third-rate and stale leftovers. Mm -hmm. You saying that's true, Stephen? Glad you weren't saying that's wrong. <laughs> God's presence is all you need because His presence is satisfaction. Once you've tasted the food at Christ's feet, nothing else satisfies. And I want to tell you folks something else. God's presence is all you need because His presence is everlasting life. If you don't have that, you know better than a dead dog. Please come to 1 John 5, 11 and 12. 1 John chapter 5. Dear hearts, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11 and 12. Turn to the passage. The Bible says, and this is the testimony God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. You see, God's presence is all you need, friend. Because if you have Christ, you've got everything that's worth having. When you have Christ, you have everlasting life. If you die today, it doesn't matter a lot because you're going to have the kingdom of God. Frank Sinatra, old blue eyes, turned 81 just a few days ago. And somebody said to him, a member of the family said, Frank, what would you like for your birthday? He said, another one. Another one. Everybody wants another one. None of us want to come to the last one. One day we're going to have birthday after birthday. One million, one billion, one trillion. It'll go on for eternity. And that's why the presence of God is all you need. It was good enough for Abraham. It was good enough for Jacob. It was good enough for Moses. It was good enough for Joshua. It was good enough for Daniel. It was good enough for the prophets. It was good enough for Peter. It was good enough for St. Paul. It was good enough for Martin Luther. It was good enough for John Wesley and all the great saints. It's good enough for you. And so I say, we stand at the gate of a new year and I say to you, go out into the darkness and put your hand in the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. Amen. Listen. There's only one person who should get the praise and the honor and the glory. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. And to Him we say today, blessings and honor and glory and power be unto Him who sits upon the throne. And we say to Him and of Him and for Him, praise God for Him. Hallelujah.
just a few days' time, we'll be traveling to the land of Siberia, the land of the greatest tigers in the world. But we're not going there to hunt tigers. We're going there to hunt men. We're going there to bring to men and women Bibles, medicines, vitamins, to light our candle of hope in the midst of their long, bitter winter. I'm so glad that we serve a marvelous God, the great creator God who made the human race and who painted the stripes on the tiger. I want you to pray for us as we go on the Trans-Siberian Express. Write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358.